So I, I texted you today about this actually, and I wanted to I wanted to spend some time talking about it. I started playing Rogue Company. Yeah. Literally, I, I started was, playing it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I downloaded it like right when it came out, like months ago. I played two games. I got an ace my first game. Damn. And then I just stopped playing. I don't know why, but <laughs> it I is a fun playing. game. Yeah, I couldn't get a handle on the controls, I think. I th- I, th- I think it's a really fun game. It's free yeah. to play. Not yeah. a sponsor. Um, but could be. <laughs> um I just I don't know. I saw a hundred thieves was like they did a video uh playing it where like all the members were playing it and I was like, Holy shit, that game actually looks really fun. And then I like looked it up and it was free to play. I was like, shut the fuck up. And it's cross plat. It so you can play with friends who are on Xbox or PlayStation or PC. And uh, I thought I was like, "Damn, this this seems cool." And so I downloaded it, and I'm already like level eight. I was pl- I played a little bit yesterday, and I played a little bit today. And I really, excuse me, I really wish I was playing it right now. No, I'm glad that I'm I'm <laughs> glad that I'm recording. Let me say that. Let me uh, let me put that disclaimer in. Uh-huh. But it's it's such a fun game, in my opinion. Uh, oh, that yeah. I it's and it's so new. I like it's it's been a while since I've had a game that I, like really drew me in, like a multiplayer shooter. Cause like I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla every once in a while, just like on the side, like as a story game. But as like a multiplayer shooter game, uh, it's been a while since I've had something that really intrigued me. Cause Cold War hasn't really kept me intrigued. So it was nice. It was refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking for like another game to play because I've been playing like so much Rainbow Six Siege recently um that like the thing about rainbow six there's there's only really two games that i get like this with rainbow six siege and minecraft they're games where i always will come back to them like they're always a game that i'll play right but like i like them so much that when i start playing them again i play nothing but that with with exceptions like if a friend is like oh let's play this game then i'll switch right but i just get so into it and just play that one game all the time to the point where i get burnt out <laughs> yeah i um, i'm uh so. i'm very similar in the sense uh like when it comes to overwatch right at least i used to be yeah. now lately i've been able to just like hop on and play a couple matches of overwatch a day and then like switch to a different game but yeah typically i've been like that with overwatch so i, I get that but uh but yeah so i'm a i'm a big fan so far of rogue company I'd love to see if they get any sort of like competitive league. I feel like it'd be really fun to watch competitive play of that. So Rogue Company? Yeah. Yeah, it would be cool. The thing the thing I think I find the most the coolest about it is like and I think part of the reason I stopped playing actually was because like I couldn't get quite of a grasp on the movement. Not saying that the movement is bad. Like I actually really like the movement. I think it, there's a lot um it has a lot to offer. But I think that's like what I got a little frustrated with is I like I, I I knew what I wanted to do, but like I didn't have the mechanical skill quite yet to like do it. So I would roll accidentally and like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's a good game though. I like it. Yeah, it is fun. But uh but yeah, so welcome back to another episode of Twaddlecast. We are your hosts. My name is Randall. Hey, I'm JC. And. Happy second episode of the new year. I almost said happy new year, yeah, but it's the second episode of the new year. Uh, last time we talked at you guys, we were talking about all the rumors about the Samsung Galaxy. Well, yeah, because I guess they are still rumors because they still haven't been announced, but they announced the event of Galaxy Unpacked, slated for January the 14th. Uh, so this is you guys will be listening to this pretty much the day before or the day of that event. And uh, now... Since then, CES has been going on, and this year it was a unique year for CES because they didn't do it in person for the first time ever. And so it's a virtual CES event, and there's been some really interesting stuff uh, that has been announced there. So we'll be talking about that, and JC, I know you had some stuff that you wanted to talk about as well. Uh, a so bit, a little bit. I will throw it your way, and we can uh, we can dive into what you wanted to talk about. Oh, we're starting with me today, huh? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well... Uh, I want to start with what I saw when I opened up my computer today. Um, I got a notification from CD Projekt Red. Well, technically it was on Steam, and it was 
like a notification through CD Projekt Red on Steam. It was weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> I um, I got a notification that the co-owner of CD Projekt Red has issued a statement about Cyberpunk and its problems. And it was like a pretty short clip. I recommend watching it so you can kind of come to your own conclusion. But like it, they basically just kind of talked about how they, their commitment is that open and clear communication with their community. They want to make the like greatest games they ever, you know, that kind of thing, you know, pretty typical PR stuff. But um, they kind of went into detail about like, not detail really. I kind of wish they went into more detail because what they basically said is like the the way the video was framed was like, hey, we're going to like the co-owner is going to go into a little bit more detail about what happened in development. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like, I definitely want to know what happened. And essentially to sum it up, uh, again, I still say, you know, to I recommend watching it for yourself. But um, he pretty much was just like, yeah, uh, we thought it would run better than it did. And then it didn't. <laughs> And they're like, oh my god and he's like and we we released the pre and then like he was like yeah uh you know i'm gonna talk a little bit more about the review process and i was like oh great they're gonna address you know why they released the console version later and they pretty much were just like so you know we released the pc uh, uh copies for people to review and then uh and then we released the console ones later on the 8th um and he's like basically what happened was just you know with with covid guidelines things got lost in translation over zoom calls and i was just like really really bro like <laughs> that's all <laughs> that's all you have to say and then he just moved on and he's like yeah we're gonna be supporting it in the future so it's like it's nice to see them come out with a statement but at the same time there's like absolutely there's almost like no substance to it like he could have just come out on a video and been like we messed up and it would have been the same like thing pretty much, you know, but you know, I mean, it's still good for, to see like a company taking the time to address things like that, but it's just like kind of, kind of lame at the same time. Like, yeah, but barely I barely said anything. I feel like it's not the easiest thing to get, to get a letter sent out to every single person who bought a copy of of cyberpunk you know what i mean like i feel like that can't be super easy maybe it is i don't know I but get it. i guess I the mean, I, yeah. the efforts there at least right so i can appreciate that yeah and he did apologize in it like he started off by like apologizing um but i don't know at the same time i don't know i just have mixed feelings about it it was just kind of like a apology and then like you know I just kind of wish he elaborated a little bit on like what exactly went wrong in development. I mean, the cool thing that he that he did, he didn't like throw anyone under the bus. Like he was like, like hey, like don't blame the developers. Like it's not their fault at all. Like it's management's fault. It's our fault. And I was like, that's cool. You know, at least at least he like, because like that's the thing I've been saying. I mean, that's the thing I said when we first talked about it on the pod. I was like, don't blame the developers. It's not their fault. So it is cool to see him be like, hey this this is our fault not the developers um so that was cool yeah that is pretty um, cool yeah but i mean that's that i just wanted to touch on that for a little bit you know everybody go out watch that video because that this cyberpunk drama has just been eating up all social media <laughs> everywhere mm -hmm. pretty much but um but yeah aside from that let's get into more exciting gaming news um because we can we can kind of speculate about what this might entail but I just got word that a studio from Ubisoft known as Massive is in prog in the process of making an open world Star Wars game um, because EA, like yesterday, just lost their Star Wars exclusiv exclusivity license. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it looks like Ubi jumped on that right away. And looks like they're going to be working on a uh, working on an open world Star Wars game, um, which I am super excited about because the last even it wasn't really even open world; it was kind of open world. But the last you know open world Star Wars game I played was um, Fallen Order, which was really really good. But it's more of like an on rails action game, not so much an open world game. So, yeah, I mean that's 
wanted to kind of get your reaction on that. Maybe we could speculate a little bit on what it would be. Yeah, I mean, my first thought is, well, first thought is that sounds super awesome. But then I have like a back thought of how, like, how do you make the Star Wars universe open world? Like, can you just like get on or get in like the Millennium Falcon, for example, and then just like actively like fly up into space and then go into warp mm-hmm. speed to go to other planets? Because like. Th- it's a whole galaxy, right? It's it's a whole whole galaxy is the Star Wars universe. So if it's truly an open world game, the way that I see it is like you got to you have to actually be able to visualize seeing like the transition from planet to planet. I don't know. But at the same time like would you consider Assassin's Creed an open world game? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because Assassin's Creed definitely, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So if you don't want to hear this spoiler, skip ahead Uh-oh. about fifteen seconds. <laughs> um, JC, you have no choice but to hear it. But like, that's fine. When they transition from uh, from Norway to England, uh, there's a cutscene, and you don't actually like get to watch them go from Norway to England. So, but te- I guess uh, technically it is still yeah, you teleport basically. But I guess technically it is like open world but granted by boat it would have taken you know months <laughs> to get there but just um, give you like just like eight hours of gameplay on a boat woo, yeah that would have been lit so i guess i guess in that sense that they could do something similar to star wars but i w- it would just be so cool to see like i feel like a truly truly open world game mm-hmm. you know like grand theft auto-esque where you're not like teleporting places to go you know it's like you're just like you have to drive there or fly there or whatever you know yeah well that technology already exists um i don't know anybody here who is familiar with the um game star citizen but i am you haven't heard of star citizen no what i know damn dude this game started development back in like 2012 and it's 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 completely funded by backers so you basically the way you get access to play the game like there. I think I don't I don't remember exactly when access opened up because I because I followed it back when I was a console gamer and I was like still living with my parents, you know, didn't like have a job or anything. So I I didn't even have the like I wasn't even on the radar for that game because the 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 kind of PC that you needed to run the game back then was like thousands of dollars, right? Like just like unattainable for someone of my age at the time, but the game is fully de- developed or funded by backers. Um, and basically the way you access the game is by pledging a certain amount to the development of the game. Yeah, the pledge um, store. Yeah. Now, the game gets a lot of um, criticism for this, but you can pledge thousands of dollars for, like, in-game ships. Um, but the thing is, like, you can do that, but all the ships in the game are acquirable for in-game currency, too. So it's like... You can pay to own the ships, um, but you don't. You don't have to. Um, so, basically, anyway, I'm getting too much into the nitty gritty. But essentially, what the game is is a is a truly open universe, um, player run, uh, space simulator game. Essentially, so when you start the game, you spawn in what they call an easy hab, so like an, like a little habitation unit. Think of it as like a futuristic hotel room. Right. So you spawn in, and then you take an elevator into the hangar area. It's like kind of like a there's like data pads where you go on the pad and you select which ship you want, like which ship you own, and they essentially that ship gets delivered to a hangar. Take another elevator to the hangar. You get inside your ship. You can walk around the whole ship. It's not just like you open a door and now you're in the cockpit. Like if you want to go in through the loading bay in the back of your ship, you can do that. Like you can actually actively walk around the ship. You get in the pilot seat launch out and you can fly to like different planets um there's like you know like a hyperspace kind of element where like it's called like your um your hyperdrive i think it might be called something else but anyway um so you can like use a hyperdrive to to travel really quickly um fly around fight people go on bounty missions do delivery missions and it's not so much at this point yet but they do plan to have like a player run economy as well so if you go on Reddit, there's a lot of people that are like really into like space freighting. Like they literally just travel to one planet, fly to another one, deliver freight. 
pick up some more stuff, go somewhere else and deliver it. Like, hmm. they're really into that stuff. There's like a prison system that just got added a little while ago. So if you do too much crime, you get sent to prison and you have to serve or like actual in-game jail time. Damn. Yeah, but you can like, and then there's a thing where you can like work off your time. So you like go into the mines and like you mine for minerals and then turn it in and then you get released earlier. So the scope of the game is really crazy um, and really, really large. And I don't see it being released probably like fully for another 10 years or so. Um, but the, the development has kind of been ramping up because right now there is a single star system. The entire star system, it has like four planets, four or five planets. Four of them are definitely, you can land on four of them and you can like fly around the cities. Anybody who wants to look up the game, it's a really huge game. So I would consider like researching it if you, if you're curious. Um, but you can land on a lot of the planets. All the planets have like unique environments. They use procedural generation in a really clever way to create these environments um but the entire star system is roughly the size of mercury's like actual orbit around the sun um but they plan to have like thousands of star systems so this is just one that they've the first one that they've started essentially um th like there's there's plans to add like habitation so you can like if you find a place on a planet that you want to settle down like you can build a house there and like stay there it's really really cool but all of what I'm getting at is this is technology where you can get in a ship, go into space, fly to a planet, land on that planet, walk around the planet, do interactive things, and then get back in your ship, walk around your ship, go fly somewhere else, right? So this, as big as the scope of that game is, and it's a very pretty game too, that's the thing. Like it's not it's not like No Man's Sky, which is another space game, which is really fun, by the way. Not not knocking No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is awesome. But um no Man's Sky has more cartoony graphics, um, whereas Star Citizen has much more realistic graphics. So, granted, it, it on my PC, which I which I consider to be like a a higher end mid grade PC, mine's pretty much mid grade PC, but my PC can run the game at around sixty frames pretty comfortably. It dips to it dips to thirty sometimes, but my my computer can run it right now. So, that, like this is technology that exists, and the scope of Star Citizen is much bigger than any other game really that i know of right now but um i think definitely what you're talking about for the first star wars game is possible i just went on like a five minute rant there <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah well, i, really I, like I star mean citizen. i'm looking at the cast of star citizen and yeah, mark strong mark uh from mark strong he's in um oh god what's it called the kingsman andy circus he plays the the mm -hmm. antagonist in black panther uh, mm -hmm. Ben Mendelsohn, Liam Cunningham, and of course Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. So yeah. now that that right there, cast. there's technically like, and there's the open world PTU they call it. So like the persistent universe is what they call it, which is like a multiplayer open world. Like so you interact with like other players. So that's what's open right now, and like that's what I've been playing. Nice. I play it sometimes. It's it's it would be way more fun with other people. Um, but most of my friends don't have PCs that would be able to run it, unfortunately. Um, you actually probably could run it if you would want to play it, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to back it. I understand if you don't want to. Um, so there's yeah, a the persistent universe. And then what you were looking at is something called, uh, Squadron 42, which is their like single player version of the game, which keeps getting delayed all the time. Um, but you know. If it happens, it'll be cool. There, uh, Star Citizen gets a lot of hate because they think it's like they, they get a lot of there's a lot of memes about like how it'll never come out and stuff, you know. Um, but point I, being I though, it. point being that there's uh, there the technology is there yeah. for uh, for this new Star Wars game to be truly open world. Yeah, and I think it'd be a great opportunity for that. And also, again, like what I was saying, where I don't see Star Citizen coming out for at least another 10 years, um, the the scope of Star Citizen and all the systems interacting are really like complex. It's just a ton of different ones. So you could dial that back a little bit, still have really good fidelity, really nice graphics, and have it be truly open. In, in your case, I would even consider it something like open universe rather than open world. Um, so you could really have like an open universe game, dial back some of the features and have it still look really pretty. And the thing is like this exclusivity license just got pulled yesterday. So like 
probably the way that people like I haven't looked into it yet. I just know about it from a friend telling me, but um, the way that this probably got leaked is someone probably saw like licenses coming out, you know, for a new game through this studio, um, which is called Massive, and they're a subdivision of um, of Ubisoft. But um, if if they just now are getting the licenses set, that means they probably haven't even started development, which means a lot of most open world games take about eight years to develop anyway. So this game probably won't be coming out for like a couple, like for a while, you know. So um, by then, the technology will be even stronger. So I, I can 100% see it being open universe game. I didn't even think about that. And that's really, that's really cool. But really quickly, I just want to go through the other titles that this um, studio has made because it'll, it, it kind of, kind of gave me a good idea of what I could expect. And to be honest, it kind of makes me really excited. It gives me a little bit of mixed feelings, but it makes me excited nonetheless. So okay. they, so this specific studio, Massive, made Assassin's Creed Revelations. Never Both played that one. Me either, but I've heard a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. Or actually, Revelations. Oh, Assassin's Creed Revelations was the last one in the Ezio saga, right? Uh, I, think. I don't know. I think that's what that was. Hold on. Relations. Yeah, yeah, it was the last um it was the last one in the Ezio saga. Yeah, so that that one was fine. It was okay. Um they made Tom Clancy's The Division 1 and 2. So both division games which I got bored of very fast, but they also made Far Cry 3. And Far Cry really? 3 They did. And Far Cry 3 is one of my favorite RPGs. That so, was a fun one. Yeah, if they kind of borrow, they kind of borrow a page from that. I uh, I might end up liking it very much. It's just the thing that gives me mixed feelings is the the division because I, I got bored of that game really fast. Yeah, the first division was very. Uh, it was a really cool storyline. But it was very easy to get lost and not want to commit to playing that game, and I didn't. I never even played the second one. Well, it just kind of felt like I played the first one quite a bit. I think I even beat the storyline. Um, it's the kind of game where like it's hard. It's weird because like the the gameplay is fine. Like the story is interesting, but the like. It's not like compelling, you know, like I don't want to finish it because I want to know what happens. I'm more so just kind of like going through the motions of playing the game. The combat is like, okay, it's nothing great. The AI is decent, you know, it's like the one thing that I felt like they kind of missed on is like your kit, like your perks and stuff. Like that's to me what really drives those kind of games, like, like Destiny, for example, like having your your kit and your loadout and making it and having it feel like whatever you're choosing makes a real like impact on the style that of how you play the game like that that is what drives those kind of games for me like the looter shooter type games right because yeah. you're you're gonna be the the 90 percent of your time not even 90 like pretty much 100 percent of the time of you playing the game is gonna you be either you walking around or you in combat right so it's like it really needs to land the, in, in the combat aspect. Um, so, like, for the first one, I think the only reason I finished it is because I was playing with my friend the whole time. And it, it wasn't more, more, it wasn't so much that, like, the, the gameplay and the combat was fun. It was more just that, like, I had my friend with me and we were having a fun time, like, joking around, right? Like, <laughs> so, but when I played the second one, I, I played it somewhat by myself but also with some people sometimes. And I think they did the perk system a little better in that game, but like, it just still like after a while, it got kind of boring. Like it's just so repetitive, you know? Um, but it wasn't like, and it's funny cause like Destiny's really repetitive too, but I don't know, something about the combat in that game just feels really nice and really smooth, really satisfying. Um, and the, the, diff the different classes you have like in your perks, they, they make it feel like you're really like taking on different styles of combat. And they got a little bit better with that in Division 2, but it still just got boring after a while for me. Hmm. 
and all the side quests are like the same thing it's like go here and shoot enemies right now go here and shoot enemies <laughs> yeah just one of those games that i just got easily bored with yeah which sort of gives like that's what gives me mixed feelings is that like if they make an open world star wars game i don't want it to just be like go here and fight stormtroopers go here and fight jawas go here and fight this you know it's it, it's just like i don't want it to just be like the division in star wars right like star wars universe when it comes to open world games it's like they put in all these different side quests and then you like lose track of the main story so mm -hmm. just eliminate the side quests if you feel like you made a side quest that's good enough put that into the main story like find a way to wrap that into the to the main story because that's why people get like lose interest as, uh lose interest in these games that's why like I've still been very interested in Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I've just been playing pretty much the main story other than doing raids just to help progress, you know, in the game. Um, but like, yeah. and then another one is Horizon Zero Dawn. That was a great game. I never finished it. I stopped playing it because I got so sidetracked from all the side missions. Yeah. And somebody told me, they were like, if you want to enjoy playing Horizon Zero Dawn, just skip all of the side missions. Just play the main story. And so... Game developers, if you're listening to this, for God's sake, just stop with all the side missions. We don't yeah. need 52 side missions to do in between going to, uh, you know, our next main quest. Like, just make everything part of the main story. Yeah, and I think it's a hard balance to find, too, though, with open world games. Because it's like, if you do just focus on the main story, like, where does, where does it, where's the line between it being an open world game and an, an rpg with a with an open world backdrop you know so it's like it's a hard line right. to, to find um but yeah no i 100 percent agree it's like why do i need 103 missions of like clearing enemies like why do i need that many it's like couldn't you have spent all the time like making those into just making an extra story mission like i would literally be totally okay with like eliminating half of like i'm gonna use cyberpunk as an example because i've been playing that game a lot and it's kind of on my mind obviously um i there's like a i like that game a lot like for me I, it gets like an eight out of ten for sure it's really good um but maybe even a nine out of ten you know you know i would say nine out of ten just because of this just because of the characters and and the story and the and the soundtrack like they completely carry the game but um i would like there's so many side quests that are just not like fun i mean they're not not fun i mean the only thing that makes them fun is your kit but like it's literally go here and kill enemies go here and kill enemies and then like every once in a while there's like there's a side quest that actually has like some cool part where you interact with a character but like the rest of the side quests there there's so many there's like a hundred and they all are just killing enemies and it's like i would be a hundred percent fine with that with none of that and an extra and an extra story mission you know like right but at the same time then it's like you're missing out on interacting with the world and if i can plug a the game developer that i i think does a really good job with this and um a lot of people are actually comparing Cyberpunk 2, which I don't think is really fair because they're different games. But just story-wise, the way Red Dead Redemption 2 handles side missions is really, really nice. I, I like that because they, you kind of stumble upon them. You don't really like have to go out of your way to find them most of the time. That's a good point. Usually, usually just somewhere and like something happens. It, they, they do a really good job. And I think it's just because of all the experience they have with making open-world games. But... They do a really good job of making those interactions feel like just like organic and like like you're part of this world that is existing around you without you having to go out of your way to, to find all this stuff. So Right. I think that's the way to do it. it it's fantastic so, game. Red Dead Redemption 2 is honestly one of the best games of the of the decade. I, I honestly think it's game of the decade. Yeah. Uh, it's just so good. So um, good. It's so good. But um yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to do an open world, and it is hard to it is hard to balance it. And I couldn't even imagine developing an open world game, you know. So credit to everybody who makes open world games because I bet they're super hard to do. Um, 
But yeah, just crafting a believable open world doesn't need a hundred side missions of killing enemies. <laughs> like, I guess that's my bottom line. <laughs> yeah. And that's understandable too. Like, again, it's just, it's very easy to make the side stories or the side missions just kind of like take away from the, from the immersion and away from the game. So just when you're when you're doing it, make it to a point like Red Red, Red Dead Redemption Two did. It was really well done, but yeah, it's a great game. Yeah. Speaking of great things, great things. CES 2021 has been uh, ongoing. Uh, lots of things have been unveiled so far. Uh, yeah. And, and so I want to talk about some things that I that have have like stood out to me. Um. And then I want to hear what you have to say, too. So, first things first. A, a couple of episodes ago, like four, five, six, eight episodes ago. I don't remember how many episodes ago. I was talking about the LG Ultrafine Ergo monitor that came out. It was a 32-inch 4K monitor. Uh, HDR10 support. $600 price point. It was a really great price point. Really great Ooh. monitor. Well, now, during the CES 2021... LG has unveiled a 32-inch ultrafine monitor that has OLED. So their first ever OLED desktop monitor. Mm. Now, they haven't given like a release date or a price point on it yet from anything that I've seen so far. Uh, but that's pretty huge. Like, obviously, OLED technology is really incredible. Uh, it's in TVs. It's in smartphones. It's even in like things like Apple Watch right now. Uh, some laptops have been putting it into them as well. And uh, you get like just really great contrast ratios, deep blacks. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's great for gaming. It's great for watching videos. It's just, it's great for anything in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The, the best way I can explain OLED, if I could just explain for just a sec. Um, the best way I can explain it is um, in a normal monitor, displaying the color black is very hard because monitors usually normally the design is that there's a big light panel behind the display that is always shining while it's on so displaying a black is hard because there's always a light source behind it but um the way leds are different is that um those L the little leds in the in the monitor that um display that light or display different colors are their own power source have their own power source so in an oled monitor each individual led can be turned off completely to display true black so it just get, it just adds in a completely different level of darkness to the to the display and just, it just everything about it is just more fine-tuned and, and clearer and crisper yeah and the, and the blacks specifically are are highlighted as very 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 deep and rich it's uh it's really incredible so i was pumped to see that i'm like i cannot wait to see what price tag they throw on this i'm hoping it's sub one thousand dollars but i have a, a hunch that there is that it's going to be over <laughs> but oh yeah one can hope one can hope oled is so expensive every time i see oled on something i'm like there's an extra 50 percent price point like right <laughs> And uh, also, there's there's talks of them doing like a 39 inch version of that as well. So nearly 40 Ooh. inch monitor OLED 4K. Like it'll be it'll be nice. And so those Very will be nice. in the ultra fine lineup. Uh, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh, the only other thing that really caught my attention, um, also that L like LG and ASUS are both shipping. Uh, monitors this year with HDMI 2.1 compatibility, which will be great for the new con uh, the new consoles that came out. HDMI 2.1 allows you to play at 4K 120 frames per second, so that's where that'll Ooh. come in handy. Um, but GM, and granted, CES, in my opinion, it's like it's 99% like, hey, look at this concept that we're never going to actually produce, and then it's 1%, <laughs> hey, here are some products you can get. Yeah, um gm gm unveiled a flying cadillac <laughs> yeah. and a fully autonomous electric self-driving car 
Yep. And I was like, what the fuck? The flying car, it looks like a... It's like a helicopter meets car. I don't even know. I wouldn't even call it a car. I would call it a helicopter, like, looking at these uh, these images of it. But... Yeah, it's, it's a, like... um. If anybody knows what a VTOL is, like military wise, it's kind of like that. It's weird though, because it doesn't actually like, so usually a VTOL has like, you know, it's like a combination between a helicopter and a, and a plane, right? Because it has the big like propellers that, that like are normally vertical, but then as they get into the air, they change to like, they rotate and go horizontal and then it can like fly forward faster. So what they're calling it is an eVTOL technically, but like it's just a helicopter. It has this weird little pod thing in the middle, two turbines in the front, like lower, and then two turbines on the back higher. Just look up GM flying car. You'll you'll see it. But yeah, it's not really like a flying car. It's kind of like a personal helicopter. Yeah, it's hard to miss. And it would be interesting to see what price point they would put on that because I feel like nobody. And like also, do you have to get a pilot's license to drive it? Well, it's like, self it's self flying, right? So, oh, with autonomous Cadillac and yeah. flying car concept. I don't know if yeah. the flying car concept is autonomous as well, though. Um, I think it is because it. I watched the video. There's like a one minute video. Oh yeah, you're right. And the way it looks is there's like designated landing zones for it. So it, it looks like it doesn't look like you can just land it anywhere. I think it like probably has predetermined landing locations. Here's the thing, like what you were what you were saying earlier is like totally accurate. Like one percent things that'll never come out, and then like ninety nine percent you can buy this right now. Like I definitely think this is the one percent thing that might never come out. I, I don't know. I also think that honestly, what I think this is is like a pitch to really high tier corporate investors of like. Hey, look, you should fund us because we're going to be leading the charge when it comes to personal transportation because the entire video has an undertone of like, hey, are you a corporate businessman? Do you need to get places really quickly and you don't feel like driving? Like, fly in this thing instead. (laughs) Right. So, like, I see it being a thing where, like, this is the amount of infrastructure that's going to have to exist before this can actually, like, be like a realistic thing that happens is pretty pretty high but i think what they're doing is using ces a high profile you know conference essentially and they're using it as a way to like essentially pitch funding and development of air trans personal air transportation to a market a specific market like this isn't for regular people you know like one of these things is probably going to cost like $500,000 or something insane. And I bet it's like people aren't going to be buying these. Like businesses will be buying these. And it'll be like a company vehicle, right? So like maybe the C will use it, you know, personally. Maybe like really high profile, really rich people will own like their own personal ones, right? But like I definitely see it as being more of like a company vehicle type thing. Imagine. Like, oh, I have this meeting. I'm taking the company heli, company EV tall, you know, like whatever. <laughs> that, yeah, um, imagine getting like a signing bonus. And it's like, oh, and you also get an EV tall. It's like, I'm just a receptionist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a receptionist, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Definitely cool. It'd be wild. Would you Would you fall asleep in, in a self-driving car or 100%. plane? 100%. Helicopter EV tall? <laughs> I would like that's the problem like that's my biggest fear honestly with self-driving cars is that um I fall asleep almost like riding in a car I fall asleep a lot of the time like if a if the drive is more than two hours I will fall asleep at one point during that drive you know like <laughs> I just will there's no debate I can attest to that yeah you, you've seen me do it <laughs> like, <laughs> I just can't stay awake and the, I think the problem is that um just me personally, I get motion sick when I like am on my phone or reading something in the car. So yeah. that's just I can't. That's just off the table. I can't do that. But fun fact: seventy percent, over seventy percent of the human race, uh, experiences motion sickness and deals with motion sickness. 
thought that was really, really? I, I thought that was really fascinating um huh. looking at the horizon is what helps so like i get motion sick really easily but when i'm driving or if i'm in the front seat if i just look out the if i just look out the windshield as if i am driving like that's when i don't have any problems with it so yeah i only really get motion sick if if i'm like reading or something or on my yeah. phone like if you, otherwise look at your sc- if you look at a phone screen or something yeah that's when it gets all disorienting and stuff yeah that's cool it's also why when i'm on a plane i'm either sleeping or i love the aisle seat because then i kind of yeah. i, I kind of just like look straight you know through the aisle instead of yeah. looking out the window yeah i don't know why it doesn't that doesn't bother me like i love looking out the window on a plane see I, w- I wish i could up. i wish i could dang yeah rip <laughs> did you see what um oh sorry did you have more to say about the uh flying car no i didn't really have anything else to say (laughs) left about the the flying cars um obviously i I mean there's a good chance it could be something that you and i see in our lifetime is is like a true for the public flying car but there's also a chance that we might not so i don't think i don't know in our lifetimes if we'll see it on the scale of like you know futurama of like oh no way the cars like all that stuff like i don't think that that's gonna happen soon but I definitely think like within our lifetime we'll be like walking downtown and then see like a thing like we'll see some corporate guy in a fucking EV toll just <laughs> like just tailing through the through the buildings you know like I imagine that being a thing for sure um, yeah. but uh I don't think it's going to happen for like a while I think I think what what honestly what I think is as soon as smart vehicles overtake um manual cars like as soon as like it is predominantly like self-driving cars on the road i think that's when like smart vehicles like these like personal like transport like you know the flying transportation cars like i think as soon as everything is like kind of like a smart smart network that's as like that's gonna be the launching point for a lot of this stuff Um, yeah that's a good point you know, because th- at that point, it'll be like, oh, let's just hook it up to this network. And then now it knows where all the cars are. So it knows how to avoid, you know, slamming into things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, definitely exciting. It's really cool to see um, the future of like personal transportation, even if it's something I'll never use. Like, it's just cool to see. Um, one thing I do want to talk about that I think is honestly hilarious um it's like it's so funny it just razor is at it again they're always they're always up to something hilarious and uh i don't know if you saw this but did you see uh project hazel that's the the mask right (laughs) yep so razor has now made a special covid19 mask it is an n95 mask with rgb <laughs> i gotta be honest i think this is pretty cool like i'll let you keep talking about it but i just want to say okay, i think no, this is ahead. actually pretty cool so no like on, that's what's funny to me about it like it's hilarious that this is actually a thing but also at the same time like it seems really nice like <laughs> it's like 50 dollars, right so it's like not a cheap mask but like i was watching like the video because i saw I saw it come out. I'm like, this has got to be a meme. There's no way this is real. And then I watched the video, and a lot of the features it has are actually like really nice. Like, yeah, I'm, voice I, projection. I, voice projection. The the special filter. So there's two filters. There's like a voice protect projection one on the right, and then there's like um like an air filtration one on the left. So it like expels hot air and then and then like cool air comes in and there's like a filter in between right that like filters out all the all the particles um the front is completely clear yeah you can see people's face which is really cool it has a silicone seal on the top and bottom so you know things won't fly in your face which is always something that's weird to me it's like you know we're wearing these masks but like right by my nose there's these like two big gaps all the time (laughs) so um yeah, no, like, the the more I, like, I heard them talking about it, the more I was like, you know what? This actually seems pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to buy one, but I'd be, like, embarrassed almost. 
I kind of want to buy one too. It comes in some super dope case too. Yeah, it comes in a wireless charging case. Like, dude, it's so funny. Uh, to be fair, they are not available for order just yet. I don't know when they will be. But hmm. very cool nonetheless. Uh, if you if you haven't seen this yet, just go to like razor.com or look up like razor mask. It'll uh it'll pop up. It'll, it'll Oh yeah. Um it's pretty funny. Um but also pretty cool. You know, like it's cool that they uh Yeah. And available in both black like and that. white. Look at that. Black and white, oh yeah. Um another thing from Razor that is pretty cool. Have you seen the uh the like chair with like a curved monitor built in yeah you know i was just seeing that as i was on their website uh they call it uh project brooklyn i wonder why and it's a concept so yes. basically it's a what it appears to be it's, it's a gaming chair with a like a built-in like tray for your mouse and keyboard or if you're mm-hmm. if you're a noob controller, um, and it's got like a disp- like these two arms that come out, and it like it has like a curved projecting. Is it a projection display or is it a, like an actual like plastic deployable oh, sixty inch rollout full surround OLED display? It's an OLED display. Yeah, it's transparent too. That's fucking badass. Yeah, carbon it fiber crazy. bucket seat. Yeah. My God, I wonder what they would charge for this thing. Granted, it is just right. a concept, but still a, a really cool idea. And nonetheless, like, this is the thing that I love about CES. Like, even though the concepts, like most of the concepts that we see, don't come to light, and at the same time, it still gives us the ability to see all the technology, all this new technology, and where technology really is. Like fully curvable rollable transparent oled displays for example like we're seeing rollable tvs now too uh we're seeing potential for flying autonomous cars and or ev tolls or whatever you want to call it and fully autonomous vehicles and all this stuff although i would never want a fully autonomous vehicle i mean i love to drive i love being in control when i'm driving so I've, i've talked about that in a past episode i don't need to get back into it now but my point being is the technology that is unveiled there, even these concepts, I feel like most times just sparks a flame or gives people uh, from other companies that light bulb moment or even from the same company that light bulb moment where they can really just truly make something amazing with the technology that was, uh, you know, in a concept. So, oh, yeah. Have you seen um, there's there was something else like kind of similar to this. Um I don't remember. I think it was from CES, like, last year, actually. Like, last year or the year before. Um, But it was, like, some chair. It was, like, it was already made. It wasn't really a concept, but it was was kind of a concept. It was, like, a prototype, I think. Um, I think you can buy them, though. It's, like, a chair, you sit in it, and then it has, like, a screen kind of above, right? But um, the back of it was kind of, like, anchored into this um like curved bar right that yeah i know what um, you're talking about yeah you like mechanically like would like lean it you back like would you set in you could like press it and it would like lean back and then i think lou um, did a video of that on unbox therapy yeah yeah it's um it's uh weird it's weird it's definitely very weird but it's uh it's pretty cool like i mean i i would that one I think was like five thousand dollars or something crazy. Maybe no, it was like fifteen thousand. Something insane. But I wonder how much this would be. Like, there's no price for it yet. So, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. But it's really really cool. Yeah. Um, well, the future of those of the gaming chair will uh, will have to be attainable and affordable. So, yeah, our, exactly. our classic chair and desk combo aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, it's just you know they're just so solid. Just yeah. so solid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, something I am really excited about because, as you know, I'm really into um, VR, AR, any kind of alternate reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
there is this, I think, a Swedish company. There, there's a certain company that um, is developed, developing haptic and pressure feedback gloves. Fascinating. So they basically use, like, they're gloves that you put on. They have little motor things on the top, like, that go on the top of your hands. And then uh, there's these little, like, strings attached to plates that kind of go, like, where your knuckles are. Um, and... Um, the strings essentially do like the reverse of what your fingers do, right? When you bend them. So like if in the game or in, in the virtual space, you're like holding a ball, it produces feedback equivalent to the dimensions of whatever object you're holding. Right. Right. Um, which seems freaking sweet. Um, and as of right now, they're like a prototype they cost something like five thousand dollars um <laughs> and they're not you know something that are, is going to be around any anytime soon i don't think well maybe not i don't know maybe in the next year or two yeah well um, here, the thing is the technology is there and yeah. so we're going to start seeing it get implemented and talking about immersion like uh, you know uh last week we were talking about the game phasmophobia and it's a yeah it's a super immersive game and so much fun to watch even if you're not if you're not into playing it, it's super fun to watch and imagine like being able to feel the things that you're grabbing in game like i think that's a really cool idea oh yeah it's a great idea like it just adds a completely different level of immersion um you know just imagine not having to use a controller you know like because that's a big thing about vr is now you use a controller obviously um but uh, yeah, it seems really cool. I mean, it's, right now they're marketing it towards like training uh, exercises and like simulations. So not so much virtual reality. But um, speaking of virtual reality, there are a couple of companies that announced like new VR headsets. And one of which it is purely conceptual, but I find really fascinating because um, in the VR space, something that's kind of hard to mimic is um, depth as well as um, field of view and focus. So, like, if you're looking at some, if you're holding something in front of you and you look at something behind it, the thing you're holding stays in clear view, right? Because the, it's it's just using clever rendering tricks with your left and right eye panel. Um, to give you that like kind of illusion of depth, right? Um, but it only works to a to a, like certain degree. So you know, if you're holding something and you look to the left of it, like in the in the real life, the thing you're holding in your hand will kind of become out of focus, and the thing you're looking at is what's more in focus, right? Because you're focusing. On it. Um, but there's this new type of headset where it's like it's all it's all conceptual. Um, but I think they they I heard something like they have a prototype. I think, but um. Essentially, what it does is uses um, it uses a bunch of different technologies that I don't understand. But it looks like they use like some sort of eye tracking that'll like it could tell what you're focusing on. So like again, if you were holding something in your hand and you did look somewhere else, it could recognize that and make and kind of mimic real life where whatever you're not looking at becomes out of focus. So um, that's pretty you know, cool. Just, I know, right? So just like another thing of like immersion that just takes it to like a whole other level so like just imagine that combined with those haptic gloves um i honestly think as soon as those haptic gloves become market available um they're just going to dominate the market and every single vr kit is going to have a pair of those because there's no way those things cost five thousand dollars even four thousand dollars to manufacture it's definitely right now that the it's just the r d exactly so um uh yeah, a lot of really cool, exciting things in the VR and AR space. Um, there's even um, there's even these like AR glasses that like will allow you to use like multiple displays if you're sitting at like a at like a laptop. It's all sorts of crazy stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting because there are some days where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, VR is the future of gaming, but at the same time. Like, we saw VR start kicking off around, like, 2011, 2012, especially 2013, yeah. I feel like, was a big year for VR. And oh, seeing yeah. where it is now, it's like, I feel like it still hasn't, like, it hasn't been making the leaps and bounds that regular gaming has. Yeah. So, I'm interested to see how VR will look 
you know, a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, like, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like, what what does the future of VR actually look like? So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering because the thing about VR for me that I think is always holding it back is uh, it will always take more processing power to run VR. Like, un- unless some crazy advancement in VR happens within the next 10 years or so, or just in general, like, and, and it's po- certainly possible, you know, just unless some crazy advancement happens in the way that VR is rendered, um, it's just, it just simply takes more processing power to render two images than one. Like, that's just, it's just math. It's the most basic math you could ever get, right? Right. One image is easier to render than two. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that I think is just the sole factor that is always going to hold VR back because, you know, as much as people's like, as, as many people as there are that don't really care about high fidelity, high gra and like highest graphics you can get, all that stuff. Um, you know it's just there are so many people that do and with vr you wanted to make you wanted to make it as realistic as possible obviously right because you it's an it's an immersion thing um so you know games on a pc on a regular tv will just just always look better than in vr but again at the same time like i think it's called like studio mode or something where you just put them on and then it's just like a screen floating in front of you, right? Um, maybe at a certain point, like, I don't know, we're getting older now, you know, maybe maybe we're losing touch. Maybe people would rather wear a VR headset and, and play on that instead of a monitor, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think that would be pretty cool, though. Way to just subtly call us old. <laughs> hey, man, we're old now. <laughs> yeah. Not that old. No, not that at all. At all, <laughs> um, we're quite young, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just not that young, but yeah, not, uh, not super young. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, and uh, and hopefully, you know, eventually we can both snag some VR headsets and, and get into the mix to to, to kind of uh, you know pave the way and and help test that kind of stuff out. So. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm still super excited for the future. Um, even though our world state is pretty lame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I always love when CES comes out because it kind of shows like the potential of what is possible. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, that's, those are like the main things that I saw that I was excited about. Um, and then I guess the only other thing really is the, um, the NVIDIA RTX 3060 was announced. That's right. I forgot that they did announce that. Uh, what is it? A $329 price point? Yeah. Not too shabby. Not Not bad at all. Yeah. They said something, it's something like three times the performance of the 1060. Yeah. And it, and it will support ray tracing and it, it looks to be a really great card, especially like as a budget graphics card. Yeah. Uh, a really great option. Like if, if you're in the market of like, if you're trying to build, I'd say anywhere between like a $700 to a thousand dollar rig. Like that's such a great GPU to throw in there. I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Um, so. That's going to be the card I recommend to a lot of my friends who are looking to build computers soon. Um, Cause yeah. it's just solid. Like it's just like a nice, it's a nice card. Like any anything at 1080p, like that card will be able to to play. Yeah, easily. easily. Yeah, and supposedly they will they'll have quite the the supply for it too. So it looks like they're not going to have the the supply constraints that they had with the 3070, 3080, no. 3090. You um, know they say that, they say that, but I still see it happening. Um, well, there's a good chance just because it, with it being such a, a budget a budget level card, I feel like a majority of the users are still using 10 series and maybe like a like a, a, yeah. a lower tier 20 series that they'll be willing to upgrade to the 30 series. So, I see, well, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I mean, I I just I feel like they've got better. Yeah, I feel like they've got better yeah. supply than what they had for the rest of the 30 series graphics cards that came out earlier last year or later la- uh, late last year. But at the same time, I feel like the demand for this card is going to be much higher than those cards were. Well, what they've, you know, NVIDIA has issued statements that they've actually produced 
double, like over double the cards of last year of like the 2000 series cards. So they've, their supply is actually like pretty healthy. It's just the demand is so insanely high. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, man, I have mixed, I have mixed feelings because I think a big part of the reason why, um, the other 3000 series cards are out of stock, like a big part is, you know, everybody wants them because they're a really big power leap, but also, um, crypto is back and like Bitcoin is like back to being higher than it's ever been. So now everybody's getting back into mining Bitcoin mining again. So they're just buying up all the cards. So it's kind of like a two way thing. Actually, did, but, didn't you see that Bitcoin lost like over 25% of its value today? Today? Yeah. Ooh, yikes. No, I did not see that. Yeah. Damn. Yikes is right. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, on Twitter. Um, well, then maybe they will be available. I don't know. We'll see. All of a sudden, there's like a million listings for 3070s online. <laughs> right. I'll sell mine. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man uh but unfortunately we are out of time for today's episode yeah oh man but that went by fast yeah as they always do really um but yet another great episode we really appreciate your guys support um please remember that it is free to listen to us it's also free to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on whether it's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify so uh, feel free to click subscribe or follow. Feel free to leave a rating and, and drop a comment. Uh, you know, you can also follow us on Twitter at TwaddleCast. Uh, mm-hmm. You can always tweet us recommendations of things that you'd like to hear in an episode. And, uh, oh, yeah. and we will catch you guys next week. See ya.